Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, Justin Kinner, Kev Nash, back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Let's bring on our next guest, former Duke Blue Devil, part of Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin in the morning, which you can catch here 6 to 10 every morning on 1410 ESPN Radio. We got Jay Williams with us. Jay, welcome in, sir. How are you? I'm doing good, man. You know, sitting here in 19 inches of snow in a pandemic and haven't left my house in six months, but I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm sure. Listen, I, me and Kev were talking before you called, and I was telling him, I was like, it's so funny because Kev and I get heated on this show from time to time, and I sometimes feel like by the time the show's done that I'm going to lose a good friend in Kev because I piss him off so much. <laughs> and I, I'm watching you and Keyshawn in the morning sometimes, and I'm like, okay, good. I at least see a little bit of us in what you guys do. <laughs> and it's all, you know, within the confines of the show, but it's so funny watching you and him go at it in the mornings. I laugh, I, I laugh with Keith because, you know, I, I, I learned that, Working with him, I'm like, man, Key, you be saying everything with conviction. He's like, no, but I said this yesterday. I'm like, you didn't yesterday, Key. I wrote down what you said yesterday, and you said this. He's like, no, I did not. And then I'm like, Evan, our producer, please, did, did Keyshawn say this yesterday? And Evan's like, yes, he did. And Keyshawn's like, well, I meant to say this. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> enough. Like, I feel like I'm in a marriage that I can't get out of, but I actually enjoy it at the same time, you know? <laughs> No kidding. But, hey, as I always tell Kevin, as long as we're friends at the end of the show, that's all that matters, and I'll know if I cross the line, I'm sure. But, hey, I, while we have you, look, it's been an interesting college basketball season. Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Michigan State. Like, it's rare for any of these programs to not be in the top 25, and then you have all four of them not in the top 25 right now. Just how, how bizarre is that? Again, it's rare for any of these programs to not have a top 25 year, and yet you see all four of them struggling right now, or at least not playing at the top 25 level. What is your takeaway when you look at that? Well, I feel like, you know, what happens right now with a lot of programs is, you know, these times favor the old. They were the teams that have built continuity over the years. I mean, we look at Iowa's an older basketball team. I know they're top 10. Gonzaga's an older basketball team. Baylor. Uh, you know, Michigan, Villanova, you got pieces that guys who have been around, they know what it takes. Uh, I say a livers and company for Michigan. It's, it's a lot of that. And I think for a lot of these, you know, a lot of these other teams, you have scenarios where, look, the, if you're bringing young kids into a program, the ability for them to adapt and how quickly they can do that is very challenging when you're going through a pandemic. It's very challenging when you're going through protocols changing. You know, it seems like 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 underwear you wear throughout the course of the week. Um, it, it's also challenging when you got, to be frank with you, you know, kids who saw everything happening from a social justice perspective, injustice perspective, and then feel like they have a platform, and now you're asking a lot of college kids to step up and be involved in this too. So, I mean, managing all that and staying trying to focus on building chemistry and play this is a hell of a year, man. I, I, this whole year feels like an aberration. Not to take anything away from the Gonzaga, the Baylors, the Michigans, you know, Villanova's or Houston, they're doing a hell of a job, or Texas. Um, but it just favors the old. You know, some fan bases are using this year as like a throwaway year. We hear that line around town a little bit. But teams like Drake, St. Louis, Toledo, and Wright State, they're mid-majors taking advantage of this year. I, I, I feel like you, look, 
you, you have to do what you have to do. And I'm not sitting here saying that any of these coaches are giving me excuses. Right? If you're going to be at the top of the, the food chain, you're going to have a couple of years where you're, you're down here and there. It's inevitable. You can't sustain that every single year. But I think what, what's happening and where it gets interesting in college basketball is as a lot more of these entities provide more optionality. You know, if you're seeing kids go, some top recruits going overseas, if you're seeing some top recruits going to the G League, um, I know that there are other leagues that are going to be established for other kids that want to come out of high school. So, you know, if you're one of these teams that recruits the top, top tier, but there's more optionality, all of a sudden all these kids aren't coming to college basketball anymore. Right. And I, I think a lot of these traditional blue blood schools have catered young have to start thinking about how do we get old again? We still need to re- we can't put all of our eggs in the same basket with just all the top recruits. We need to find like where are the recruits that are like 35, 40 that we know we can have a strong senior class and maybe take a chance on two or three big time freshmen so we can gel that together so we can have the continuity based with the inexperience, which equals, you know, the full kind of, you know, give and take about what you need as far as team dynamics to win it all. You know, look, we, I, I say this all the time that when you're great coaches like Calipari and Shashevsky and Roy Williams, that uh, obviously those coaches, they know how to win. They've been winning their entire careers. They know how to win, but sometimes I feel like they don't know how to lose. When you look at some of these awkward interactions that they have with the media in these post games on a year like this year, where you know those three programs aren't you know performing up to the level that we're accustomed to seeing them perform, there, there's some awkward interactions. Just your thoughts on that? Like again, we know they know how to win, but sometimes I feel like when they lose, they're out of their they're out of their com- their comfort zone a little bit, which leads to these awkward interactions with the media. Your thoughts? Well, I mean, look, if anybody's going to sit up here and tell you that over the last year and a half, if your life hasn't been a little bit more agitated, they would be lying, correct? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys. I can't do any more damn Zoom calls. <laughs> I am, I'm on 30 Zoom calls a day. I'm Zoomed out. I'm, I'm putting people on mute. I'm blocking up my screen. I'm going to the bathroom. They're coming back. They're still talking. I forgot about half the things they said, that, you know, the 10 minutes before. And then I'm jumping on to the next Zoom call. I'm like, my wife's like, how was your day? What did you do? I'm like, I, <laughs> I had 10 calls. I don't know who any of them were with. Damn it, what is going on? So if I feel that way, and I'm 39 years old, and I still feel very youthful and young towards it, I can't imagine guys who are handling so many of these things by Zoom, conference calls, getting blitz with questions, coaching, worry about all these different things. I think it's a little bit easier to get agitated when you're taking 40 questions via Zoom in a little room where you're just by yourself than actually – being able to engage with people face-to-face, right, and let, 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 let them see the fact that you look a little bit maybe agitated today or you had a rough day. It's just it brings in tonality, so many different things to, to help people get agitated going through these times. And I think that has to factor into it to some degree. So the Nets got a huge win last night over the Clippers, but do you think their lack of defense is going to bite them in the long run? You know, I, I think we live in a world now where we have to tell you exactly what's going on with this team and where exactly they're at. And then we report exactly on where they're at at every given damn second. Like, mm-hmm. this is where they're going to be at five months from now. Like, the reality is this team does have a long way to go defensively. They just got put together. Yeah, uh, They lost their best defensive player, Jared Allen, who can protect the rim. Uh, they made a move to get him on Shumpert. I think what I walked away saying is I still recognize how incredibly high their ceiling is and when those three dudes are on at the same time, it's going to be hard for me to see a team in the East beat them 
four out of seven times in a seven-game series. I can tell you that. And I do know that Sean Marks, even though it hasn't happened yet, is, is probably looking for a big to get on the market, somebody that can be as agile as DeAndre Jordan, mm-hmm. and still add to this team. So, look, they're not a finished product yet, and we're going to talk about them in extremes and absolutes through all their growing process. But still, man, like, let's focus on where this team will be you know, two and a half months from now because I think that will give you a better better entry point to where they are as far as winning the whole thing. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. But something I did want to get your take on is the NBA All-Star Game. They're talking about having the NBA All-Star Game in March in Hotland and none, nonetheless. I don't know your don't thoughts on – oh, okay, we're on the same page then. I say don't do it. Well, Kev, you say hot Atlanta. I say hot lemon pepper chicken wings. <laughs> I don't. Oh, you were right about that. <laughs> what up, Lou? I don't, I, I don't want my top tier athletes. In, have you seen? <laughs> yes. Of what's popping off in the lip? It's wide open. Here, and my daughter's a music person. I, I tell my wife, I'm like, baby, I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should just go kick it in Atlanta or Miami for a day. I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on. So, like, I. If I feel that way, and, and look, the reality is everybody everybody isn't married with kids. Not everybody has the same level. You know, like, people are going to do what they think is responsible for them. And i got to be honest with you, these guys are making so much money. And we want to talk about, like, Kyrie Irving, prime example. Like, Kyrie's making, what, like $35, $40 million a year? Mm-hmm. And, and somebody's like, well, you're not following the protocol. And they're like, we're going to fine you. You're like, okay, <laughs> find me. Find me $100,000. That's that's a lot of money to me, to Jay Williams. That's a lot of money to Kyrie Irving. That's like pulling a nickel out of your pocket. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it fair. But if you're if you're putting guys like that in this type of situation, how do you expect everybody to do exactly what you say? And that could only lead to you having to do more contact tracing and more postponement of games. And it hurts your bottom line. And I know it's doing it for the HBCU community, and I love that. But I think there are other ways you can go about doing that than trying to have a one-day event in Atlanta. All right, we got Jay Williams, former Duke Blue Devil, with us. You can hear him weekday mornings it's from 6 to 10 on Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin. Jay, last thing before we let you go, this weekend you have Duke and North Carolina, a rivalry that obviously you're very submerged in, and it's a huge deal to you, obviously. It, it you know, reminds us here, we have Ohio State-Michigan, uh, and we always say that's the biggest rivalry in all of sports. You have Duke in North Carolina. <laughs> trust me. Duke, it's North Carolina. Ohio State fan. It hasn't really been a robbery. Sorry. No, I'm in the minority when it comes to saying that. Look, it, oh, Michigan has been so un, you know, competitive in in the matchup that it's. I don't get excited for it anymore. I get more excited for Ohio State, Penn State than I do Ohio State, Michigan. And of course, I get blitzed and, and yelled at for it all the time. But compare the two rivalries. I know from a competitive standpoint, it's down right now for Ohio State, Michigan. But you have you know context with you know you're close to Ohio State situation as well. But I'm curious. Compare the two rivalries. I haven't a feeling I know which one you're going to give the give the edge to, though. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm going to give the edge to Duke, North Carolina, just because, you know, look, I grew up watching Ohio State football, and I could say over the last, you know, a lot of years, I, I'm like, yeah, sure, keep Coach Harbaugh. That's fine for us. We're happy with that. Stay there as long as you want. Give them a 20-year extension. Fine. Um, you know, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but I, I think I got all the minutes that Duke and North Carolina have played. I think they're only separated by a couple of points. It's like barely double digits or very under double digits. Um, that's how intense this rivalry is. Now, the, the thing I get excited about is that, you know, I, I know both teams are bringing that kind of star power or from a ranking perspective into this weekend, but, man, there, there's nothing like this game. There's nothing like – I'll tell you what this game means to me. 
my freshman year, I had no idea what this rivalry is about. We're playing at Chapel Hill, and I can literally block out every fan there is in the world. Didn't hear anybody while we were warming up. We run back into the tunnel as we're getting ready to come out for our last set of warm-ups, and I see this older lady, and she looks sweet, probably about like 85, 90 years old, you know, and she's on top of this balcony that we're running underneath the tunnel. And she has her, looks like her granddaughter. Her granddaughter is dressed in this really cute North Carolina cheerleading uniform, and she's sweet. She looks like she's six or seven, and she has little pom-poms, and the grandma's, like, yelling my name. And I look up at her, like, okay, cool, like, I'm going to wait until you look so sweet. Oh, no. And this grandmother flipped me the bird. <laughs> I'm 17 years old. I'm like, you are nutty. You're flipping me the bird. Like, okay. Courtside Karen, literally. <laughs> courtside, courtside Karen. Courtside and, Granny, uh, there you go. Courtside Granny, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but like this is, this is this, that's what this rivalry is about, and uh, that's different. And I think that's going to translate to this court, regardless of either team having a good year. Last question for you, man. Super Bowl, who you got? I, I think the narrative will be on Monday morning that we will be talking about the Kansas City Chiefs having potentially the greatest offense in the history of the NFL. I think we're going to sit here and say, I can't believe Eric Bieniemy did not get a job with how they dominate. I think they're – look, I, I know that the O-line is decimated. I know that's a, it's a big thing, and I, I know that Tampa, their defense has been one of the best defenses in the league. And I know that Tom, throughout the, you know, his entire 20-year career, there's only three times he's played for a team that didn't have a top-10 defense. Defense has always factored into him winning a Super Bowl. But I feel like what we're watching with Patrick Mahomes is something so different. And it feels like it's been kind of going underneath the radar because all this pressure seems like it's mounting on Tom Brady, even though the Bucks are the underdogs, which I think only gives the Kansas City Chiefs way more, way more added on motivation. I think they're going to win. This. I think they're going to win this game by a touchdown or two, and I, I think that's what the narrative is going to be on Monday. All right, good stuff. Jay Williams catching weekday mornings right here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin. In fact, I'm a change. It's Jay Will, Keyshawn, and Zubin. He Thank walks you, out man. the door. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> hey, take care, man. We appreciate the time. All right, boys. Have a good day. Later.